Hey, we are going to be starting a brand new sermon series today, and I'm excited about this. And uh, it's called My Summer Mixtape. And I want to let you know that, um, that this sermon series actually was my wife's idea. And uh, we were talking about, um, you know, coming into sabbatical starts for me in August. And, and so we've got about eight weeks or so to go. And we were talking about what to do. And, and here we are in the summer, a lot of people taking vacation and, and, you know, people coming and going. And so, you know, preaching through a book of the Bible is kind of tough because, you know, connect the dots. It's, so I want to do something with sort of isolated sermons. Nancy came up with this idea. Incre- I think it's a great idea. And it, she said, why don't you go back over 20 years and pick out like eight of your favorite sermons. And, and, and so redo them and, and just call it like your playlist or something like that. And we came up with, Mike came up with a summer mixtape. So you know how you take your favorite songs and you make a playlist out of your favorite songs? Well, I've sort of made a playlist out of some of my favorite sermons over 20 years. And so I'm gonna be uh, redoing some of those. Uh, now, some of these things are 15 years old. There's one that's gonna be 20 years old. And uh, some of them are 12 and you know, 14. They're, a lot of them and are, are really old. There might be a couple that are more recent, but I'm excited about this. When I was reading back through my old notes, you know, it's kind of like anything that you do in life. I look back at my old notes, I go, I can't be believe people listened to this 20, 20 years ago. <laughs> you know, it's like you grow a little bit, hopefully, in what you're doing. And uh, so it's been a little bit crazy. But um, today we're going to start this, and, and I've picked a sermon today, not because it's the number one sermon, but just it's one that really means a lot to me. And, and one of the things I want to try to do each week is tell you why I chose this sermon. So I chose this sermon because it is talking about how we interpret Scripture. And if you know anything about me, that's really important. It's really important that we focus and use God's Word as our guide for living, and we need to rightfully and properly interpret the Word of God. We can't just go into, this is so prevalent in our culture and society today. People call themselves Christians, and, when, and they quote Bible verses, and they'll go into the Bible, and they just like pluck out a verse to fit their situation or their circumstance, and it doesn't even mean really what they're saying that it means. And, and there's, there can be some real problems, because when you do that, you misrepresent God, because that's not what He really said. And, and you can get people confused, and, and people can start to believe things that, that aren't true. And this is kind of a little a soapbox for me a little bit, because I really want you guys to understand that context is king. I mean, when you're studying the Bible, you have to understand what is the context that this passage is written in. You can't just go in and pull out a passage and just tell it to somebody to make them feel better. You, you, and we do it all the time. I mean, and, and if you don't believe me, and if you don't have one, just open a Facebook account. I mean, you see it, people quoting stuff, and they're, someone's ill, and they're quoting this passage, and you're like, what? What are they doing? At least that's what I'm doing at home, and, and, and I'm hoping you're doing the same. So I want to talk to you about that today. I want to use a passage of Scripture today that a couple of them that are very uh, familiar, and that you've probably heard used out of context a lot of times. And, and probably, I'm just going to give you a warning, when I read them, you're going to get stirred up. That's why I chose them. I love it when you're stirred up. And so, but if you will stick with me, you will see why it's problematic. And, and you'll hear my heart 
on these things. So hopefully you'll do that. So today I've, I have um, picked a passage, and, and, but here's why. When, when God's word is not used correctly, when it's not used correctly, it distorts our view of God. When we don't use the Bible correctly and we say things out of context, it distorts our view of God. We don't understand him correctly and we get the wrong idea about who he is and what he does and, and how he interacts with us, what he wants from us and what he expects from us. We get the wrong idea from all, all of that stuff. We can get uh, the wrong idea about what to expect from him, which is a really big deal. And, and then when things don't work out according to our misunderstanding of God, we get mad at him, right? You ever seen anybody get mad at God? Well, this didn't work the way I, I, I wanted it to work, so I'm mad at God. Well, it says right there in the Bible, this should have happened, and it didn't happen, and I'm mad at God. Well, it doesn't say that in the Bible. If you would look at the context, that's not what it says at all. It gets us in trouble. So I want us to, to look at this today. And again, I, I've, I'm going to probably get you all stirred up. That's okay. All right. So I'm going to use a sermon, a, a passage today that is on the top of the list uh, and of my pet peeves. And, um, and listen to the whole thing, Okay. But uh, people say this when they do say it with really, really good intentions. And this is the other thing I want you to understand. I'm not saying, I, I think people want to be kind. People want to be helpful. They want to be encouraging. They want to be inspiring. They, they reach out to a friend or a family member, and they're genuinely in their heart trying to be nice and trying to be good. And I don't fault them for that. But we have a responsibility to handle God's word correctly. And when you try to be nice, even if you're trying it with all the right intentions and the right heart, and you misquote something out of context, you can cause that person to walk away from God. And so we've got to be careful. All right. You're saying, well, what's the scripture? Tell us the scripture. Okay. I'm going to tell you. I'm going to read it to you. Are you ready? I'm going to read it to you first out of the Old Testament. And then I'm going to read you the New Testament passage that says the same thing, just in a different way. Actually, he's referring back to the Old Testament passage. And it's Isaiah 53, 5. And I'm, I've used this and chosen this one. There's a lot of passages I could have used, but here we go. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. And upon him, upon Jesus, was the chastisement that brought us peace. Okay, here it is. And this is the part people quote all the time. And with his stripes we are healed. Okay? Now hang in there. 1 Peter 2.24. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. And by his wounds, here it is, you have been healed. Now, this is how those verses are used. It's probably one of the most quoted passages of Scripture when dealing, someone is dealing with an illness. Someone we know is going through something difficult. I've heard this used my entire life the way that I'm describing to you right now. Matter of fact, before I learned how to look at Scripture and understood context and understood how to put things together, there were times when I used this Scripture incorrectly. I see it on Facebook all the time. Usually the way it's used is someone is physically sick. They've got something going on. And a friend or a family member with the right heart and the right intentions that loves them and cares about them and they want to encourage them, they tell them this. They'll say, well, here's what you need to remember. You need to remember what the Bible says. By his stripes, you're already healed. And they will tell them that. 
They're referring back to the verses that I just read. The implication is this. Listen, you've got this. The Bible says that you're already healed. All you have to do is believe it, speak it, proclaim it, take power over that disease or that illness or whatever it is. That's all you've got to do. The the idea behind this is that God's will for you is to be healthy. That's his will for you to be healthy, even in this world. Listen, that teaching and that belief is at the core of the health and wealth prosperity teaching that is so prevalent in our culture today and has done more damage to the cause of Christ than just about anything. Now hang with me, don't leave yet. I'm gonna give you an example and I'm gonna go, I'm gonna gonna use the example of how this is used and then I'm gonna use the pastor's name that said it and and I don't normally do that, but I'm gonna do that today because I'm gonna read you a quote from his book. Now if you write a book, it's okay to use your name. Right? Joel Osteen. (laughs) Maybe I should close my eyes while I read. No, I I just, I I should not have said that. Please forgive me for that. I'm sorry. Listen, he says this in the book, in his book, Becoming a Better You. He says, maybe Alzheimer's disease runs in your family genes but don't succumb to it. Instead, this is what you do. Say every day, my mind is alert. I have clarity of thought. I have good memory. Every cell in my body is increasing and getting healthier. If you will rise up, and listen to this, this is a key phrase. If you will rise up in your authority, you can be the one to put a stop to the negative things in your family line. Stop boldly declaring, Start boldly declaring, God is restoring health unto me. I'm getting better day by day, every day, in every way. Now, here's the problem with that statement that Joel Osteen made. It is absolutely 100,000% unscriptural. Doesn't have any, the Bible doesn't say any of what he just said. Anywhere. He doesn't say it. And if you read his books, and I'm going to just say it to you because you're my congregation, if you're reading his books, you're getting a lot more of that crap. Sorry, it's a biblical word. They use dung in the Bible, but crap's okay. All right, so just just want you to know it's okay. It's okay. I'll owe Miss Bobby 25 cents in her bad word jar now, but that's okay. But it's unscriptural. The statements that he made are based on the verses that I quoted, and he totally misinterprets and misapplies those verses. If someone buys into this train of thought, then God will be misrepresented to that person and totally misunderstood. Those people will be misled, and they can be highly confused and even lose trust in God or get mad at God when their Alzheimer's disease of their loved one doesn't go away. God, you said that I'm already healed. I just got to claim it, speak it, take control over it. He does not say that. That's not what these verses mean. And we're going to look and see what these verses mean. Now, before we go any further, I want, now I want you to pay attention. All right, I want you to pay attention. Don't go to the bathroom or anything right now. Okay, pay attention. I want you to understand something. From the bottom of my heart, 
here at this church, at Heartland Church, we believe in divine healing. We believe in praying for people that are going through difficult times and illnesses. We do pray for sick people. We have seen God do things that we can't even imagine through prayer. We've seen it. We've witnessed it. I've been part of it. So I'm not saying when I'm reading these verses, I am not telling you that we can't be healed and those kind of things. I'm just telling you that we need to be careful how we interpret Scripture because these passages aren't talking about this. But people use it all the time. We even have a, a place in the Bible that talks about how God answers prayer. And I think I need to read that right now so I calm you down just a little bit. Okay, here we go. 2 Kings 21 through 6. It says, in those days, Hezekiah became sick and was at the point of death. And Isaiah, the prophet, the son of Amoz, came to Hezekiah, and he said to him, now this would bless your heart right here, thus says the Lord, set your house in order, for you're going to die, and you shall not recover. Oh. <laughs> now right there, that'll just bless your heart. But then Hezekiah turned his face to the wall, and he prayed to the Lord, and he said, now, O Lord, please remember how I've walked before you in faithfulness and with a whole heart and have done what is good in your sight. And Hezekiah wept bitterly. And before Isaiah had gone out, gone out of the middle of the court, he said what he had to say. He was leaving, right? The word of the Lord came to him again, the prophet. And he says, turn back, Isaiah, turn back. And I want you to say this to Hezekiah, the leader of my people. Thus says the Lord, the God of David, your father, I've heard your prayer. I have seen your tears. And behold, I will heal you. That's incredible. I will heal you. And on the third day, you shall go up to the house of the Lord. And listen to this. I will add 15 years to your life. Wow. Don't ever try to convince me that prayer doesn't work. Okay, God can do stuff that we can't even imagine. And we believe that here, and we pray for that here, and we have confidence in that here. So I don't want you leaving today saying, well, Ed said that the Bible says that it says by your stripes you can be healed. And he said, that's just not true. I did not say that. I said that's a misinterpretation of that passage. There are other passages in the Bible that demonstrate that God, God heals and I don't want you to go, go out of here not believing that because I believe wholeheartedly. And let me just tell you something. If you ever ask me to pray for you when you're sick, when I pray for you, I'm going to pray for you to get well. I'm going to pray for you to get well. And I'm going to believe that God's going to help you. If God chooses not to, that's his business. But I'm going to pray that way. So can God heal? Yeah. Does God answer prayers and heal? Yes, all the time. Does he always give us the answer to the prayer that we want? No, he doesn't. Is it his will that every one of his children are healed of their infirmities on this side of heaven? No. We know that. I mean, we see life happen every day. Sometimes it is his will to provide perfect healing, to take people home to be with him. And that breaks our hearts, and we're sad, and we don't understand it, and, and, that, and it's not our will. But remember this, life is not supposed to be lived according to your will and my will. It's supposed to be lived according to His will, right? 
Sometimes it's his will to provide that perfect healing. Well, let's look at these verses in their context, because again, this really isn't about that. We believe in healing here. We pray for healing, and it's not about that. We're not, you know, it's not about that message, but the message here today is that we need to always look at Scripture correctly so we don't mislead people. Listen to the verses again. But he was pierced for our transgressions, he was crushed for our iniquities, and upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace, and with his stripes we were healed. 1 Peter 2.4, or 2.24, he himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness and by his wounds you have been healed. Now with those things, those two verses, it's a New Testament passage referring back to the Old Testament passage, saying the same thing, just saying it in a little bit different way. But for the sake of time, I'm going to take a simple look at the context of the Isaiah passage. And um, because you have to understand what was going on to understand the passage. Okay, at this time when this was written, Isaiah the prophet is describing Jesus, the future Messiah. This was written in 750 BC. So Jesus wasn't on the scene yet, but he's describing the future coming Messiah. And, and, and in describing him, uh, this is what he says. Let's look at Isaiah 53, 3 through five. He was despised. He's talking about Jesus, talking in the future, prophesying. He says, he was despised and rejected by men. He was a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And as one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he was, he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken smitten by God and afflicted. Okay, now here we get to that verse five that we get all messed up on, but I want you to listen to it and I'm gonna add a little bit to it in explanation as we go. It says, but he was pierced. Okay, what does that mean? Well, there were a crown of thorns was placed on his head, nails were put in his hands and feet and a spear was thrust into his side. So he was pierced for our transgressions. Our what? Our sins. He was crushed. What does that mean? He was beaten and bruised for our iniquities. For what what are our iniquities? Our sins. Upon him, upon Jesus, was the chastisement. In other words, he received the punishment that brought us peace. What does that mean? That provides us forgiveness of our sins. And with his stripes, we are healed. In other words, because of what he did on the cross, we have forgiveness of sin. You see, this entire passage has nothing to do with physical healing. It's got everything to do with sin and the forgiveness of sin. So when we quote it to someone as if it's uh, something to do with health, we're totally taking God's word out of context and saying something God never said. And then he continues to talk about sin in those verses. And he says, all we like sheep have gone astray. The next verse, and and everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of it all. In other words, we all have turned away from God. We're all sinners. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened on his mouth like a lamb that is led to the slaughter. You get the point, right? Think about this. If if you didn't, if if, if you take this the wrong way, this is what you have to do. Listen, you would have to say, he was, uh, go back to verse three. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of many sorrows and acquainted with grief, as one from whom men hide their faces. You know, that's just talking about the way Jesus was treated when he was on the earth and all that. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. You know, he, he, he is, and, and there you go, this verse is about sin. He, he's taken our griefs and our sorrows. He's taken our, our sins. And, and, but we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. 
And then he went to the cross. And you know what? He was pierced with thorns and nails and spears for our transgressions. He was pierced for our sinfulness. He was crushed, beaten, and bruised for our sin. He was beaten and bruised for our sin. Upon him, our sin was was dumped. And he received the punishment for our sin that brings us peace. It provides us forgiveness. And so, so what we're seeing is we're seeing verses about sin, forgiveness, sin, forgiveness, sin, forgiveness. Then you get to verse five and it says, and by his stripes we're healed. Oh, that's about healing. Then we get to the next verse and it's talking about all oh, we like sheep have gone astray. Sin and forgiveness, sin and forgiveness. So we got all these 15 verses of sin, forgiveness, sin, forgiveness, sin, forgiveness, sin, forgiveness, physical healing, sin, forgiveness, sin, forgiveness, sin, forgiveness. You see how ridiculous this is? That's what happens when you take verses out of context. It's really important. Why? Because people have misconception about God. They think God's going to do something that he hasn't promised to do. They think he's going to act in a way that he's never promised that he's going to act. Think about that. And the same thing with the, the first Peter passage, he says, he himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin. And other, here we go, sin and forgiveness all over again and live to righteousness. By his wounds, we've been healed. What? By what he did on the cross, our sins are now forgiven. The word healed there in the Greek and the Hebrew, it can mean either spiritual healing or physical healing. But so what do you do? How do you know which one it's talking about? You look at the context and you say it's got to be talking about spiritual healing because every verse that we've read and surrounds this verse is about spiritual healing. And so it's really important that we understand that. We need, we need to see the context. You have to look at the context of a passage to determine what that passage means. Well, what does it mean for you and me then? What does all this mean for you and for me? How, what, what does this do for us? Well, first, it means that we should not quote this, these verses to people who are struggling with an illness. Don't put this on Facebook anymore. Quit quoting this verse. Don't say to someone that's ill, by his stripes you're healed. You're already healed. No, you're not healed. God can heal you. He can do it. He may choose to do it. But there is nothing in Scripture that says it's already taken place. Think about Hezekiah. Isaiah didn't walk back in the room and say, you've already been healed. When, when, he said, when, when, when Isaiah came in and said, hey, you're going to die, dude. He didn't say, but if you name it and claim it. No, he walked outside and God said something else and he came back in and he goes, uh-oh, got another word from the Lord. He's going to take care of you. You're healed. That's the way it works. And we've got to be careful with what we say. Don't be saying that. Just think about this. If, if, let's use that Alzheimer's. And, and, and listen, if, if you've got somebody that suffers from this, God bless you. And we know that's a tough thing to deal with. But that's what Mr. Osteen wrote about. So that's what I'm going to use. But j just think for a moment. If you, if you walked into a, if I'm a pastor and I walk into a room and there's mom or dad or uncle or aunt or whoever, and they've got this terrible disease, this Alzheimer's thing, and, and, and maybe they're, they're, they're deep into this thing. And, and, and I just go in there and I start telling the family, if they'll just believe, 
if they'll just claim it, if they'll just start speaking into it, if they'll do this, and they're already healed, and this and that and the other. And in that family, I've got 30 people there visiting mama. And 25 of those 30 people don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And mama doesn't get better and mama dies. And those people go, I'll never darken the door of one of those people. They're places that God they serve said that my mama was healed by the stripes on the cross that he had received and all this, and she wasn't healed, and I'm never having another thing to do with God. What a disservice we just did to the kingdom. Right? Is it important that we quote Scripture correctly? Okay, I know you need a breather. This is heavy stuff. So let me just tell you right this. There is a, no, oh, there's a guitar pick. Look, right here. It's cool. But, but okay, here's a great example. God just provides illustrations. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So when the band comes out, I'm playing guitar instead of Brett or whoever's playing today. Okay, I, I, or Dwayne, I, I'm playing guitar today because I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. No, I can't. And if you're three foot two, you're never dunking a basketball. Forget it. It's not happening. But I can do all things. Okay, on your way to heaven, when you get your wings, go by the basketball goal. That's the highest you're ever going to get. Okay? But do you, okay, that's a more, okay, a little more lighthearted thing. But do you see exactly what I'm saying? We quote these verses. We put them on T-shirts. And so people out there that don't know Christ, they look at it and go, I can, boy, if I get this relationship with Jesus, I want to make a million dollars. I can make a million. No, you might not make a million dollars. But if you do, write a check to the church for a hundred grand at 10%. So I just want you to be sure that you do that. Just want you to say, but anyway. But here's the point. We tell people stuff and it misrepresents God. And there are pastors out there, bless their hearts, that have written numerous books on this kind of stuff. And if you read their books, don't, by the way. But if you do, you just read more of this junk. Just one after the other telling you that it's all about you. And it's all about what you want. And if you'll hang out with the right people, life will be better. And if you'll do this, life will be better. And if you'll do this, life will be better. Let me tell you something. If you'll put your faith and trust in Jesus and trust in him 100%, your life will be better. Okay, so what, what do we do? Well, we, we don't quote it to people, okay? It, it, don't do that. And, and if you do, just tell them that you watch another preacher on TV. Don't tell them you come from here. Okay, second, we should pray for those that are physically sick. That's the next thing I want you to know. We pray for people who are ill. We pray for people going through difficult times. We pray for people that are struggling. We believe in prayer. We're going to keep praying for people. We're going to keep believing that God will heal them. And we're going to pray until God does whatever God does. We're going to do that. And we should do that. Remember, Jesus, remember this. We need to pray for God's will to be done because his will is perfect. Remember Jesus, when Jesus was going to the cross and he was in the Garden of Gethsemane? Do you remember it? He's, gonna, he's going to the cross. He knows he's going to die. He knows what's coming. He knows how horrific it's going to be. And listen to what, what he prays. It says, in going a little further, he fell on his face and he prayed, saying, My father... 
He's crying out to God, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. In other words, if I don't have to go through this, if there's another way to accomplish this, if I don't have to die, if I don't have to go through this torment, if I don't have to go through all the struggles, if I don't have to have all this anxiety, Father, if there's any way possible, please, God, that's what we want to happen. That's what I want to happen, God. Can we make that happen? And then he says this, but nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. It's tough to pray that prayer. But just let me tell you one more time, his plan is perfect and yours isn't. Mine isn't. His ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. His plans aren't our plans. They're so much higher than ours and loftier than ours and we can't even grasp them. He knows exactly what he's doing. We just have to trust him. And then finally, the third thing is this. All of this should point us to a relationship with Jesus. All of this talk about healing and all of this talk about what the Bible says reminds us that we're not exempt from sickness, right? We're not exempt. None of us are exempt. Nancy and I had this conversation. i got to hurry. But Nancy and I had this conversation. Just, I just said this to her yesterday. We were talking about how life changes and how stuff happens. Two years ago, one morning, I was shaving, and I raised my neck up to shave, and I swallowed, and I saw a bump. And I went, well, that's not supposed to be there. And I went to the doctor, and they said, oh, it's all, and, then, and, and so it was cancer. So two, sur- two surgeries later, and a whole bunch of radiation treatments later, you know, I'm cancer-free, thank God, but here's the point that I'm trying to make. Here's the point that I'm trying to make. Listen, stuff happens. You don't ever know what's going to happen. And you know what, I had, to, I had to come to grips at that point, th- that point in time. You know, okay, God, I don't want this, and I want this taken away, and I want it to go, and I don't want to have to deal with this, and, and this kind of cancer that I had in my thyroid goes to your bones and your lungs and stuff like that, and I'm like, this is not, this isn't good, and, and I don't want all this stuff and all that. But I promise you, I prayed, and I cried out to God, and I asked him to take care of it. But I ended my prayers, nevertheless, your will not mine. Well, his will, apparently up until this point, is good, good. I'm happy with it. Happy with what he did. And if you're going through something, my prayer is that he will answer your prayer in the affirmative too. But it's his will, not our will. And, 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 And that goes back to the way we interpret scripture matters. You can mess people's heads up You can move them down the wrong road. You can point them in the wrong direction. You can have them thinking things about God that aren't even true when we misapply Scripture. you got to take it in its context. And that's that's the one thing that I just want you to take away from all the stuff that I said today. It's this. It's not about the verses in, that I used. Yeah, we talked about sickness and stuff and healing, and that's, we need to understand that. But here's the thing you need to take away. You never pluck a scripture out of the Bible and quote it to somebody unless you know the context. You can lead them astray. You can cause more damage to the kingdom. And you shouldn't buy books with people who do stuff like that. Maybe you're here today and you don't have a relationship with Christ. Maybe you're here today and you're going, with all this sounds great, but I don't really know Christ. I don't really have a relationship with Christ. Well, you know, the Bible says that if we confess with our mouths that Jesus is Lord and we believe in our hearts that God raised him from the dead, that we will be saved. 
you know, that you can be here today and maybe God's touching your heart, gripping your heart and speaking to you and, and just sort of, you feel like, I need this relationship with God. Well, it's a simple matter of responding in the affirmative and just praying to God and asking him to be your Lord and Savior and forgive you of your sins. Matter of fact, I'll, I'll pray with you right now. If that's you, pray with me. Just say, Jesus, I'm a sinner. And right now, God, I want you to forgive me of my sins. And right now I'm coming to you and, and I want to have this relationship with you. And, and so, God, I'm praying right now that you will forgive me of my sins. All those things that, that, those, that Isaiah passage talked about and all those things that Second Peter passage talked about, God, I'm asking you right now, Lord, that all the, the price you paid on the cross and, and, and all the, the, the stripes that were given to you, but, Lord, I want to be healed by your wounds. I want to be forgiven of my sins right now. And I'm asking you to do that. And I'm asking you to save me. So, so, I'm, so I ask you to forgive me of my sins. I commit my life to you in Jesus' name, amen. And maybe you made that decision and that is great. In a few moments, we're gonna stand up and sing. And if you make your way to the back when we do that, if you, if you don't mind slipping out and go to the back, we have people have little lanyards on. They'll pray with you and talk to you, answer your questions and talk to you more about whatever it is, the questions that you have and, uh, and help you in your new journey. Maybe you're here today and you're a believer. And maybe you recognize today that you need to study your Bible just a little bit more because you've been telling people some stuff and you're going, ooh, I don't know, that might be out of context. Maybe, maybe that. Maybe you need to recommit your life to Christ today. I don't know. But you do whatever God leads you to do. Maybe you need to make your way to one of the crosses and put your name up on a cross. I don't know. But I do know this. There's something that I know. I know that when we look into this book, from Genesis to Revelation, the Word of God, His Word, inspired and errant and infallible, when we look into this Word and we interpret it correctly, it trains us for living. It's, it tells us, it trains us and equips us for righteousness in every good work, right? And I know that if you'll live by this book, life will work the way that it's supposed to, the way God has it planned, and he'll bless you. Stand with us as we continue to worship.